0: If you eat to help manage your emotions, you may have discovered that it doesn't really work. If you're an emotional eater, you've probably wondered how you can conquer it once and for all. The good news is that a life free of emotional eating is possible. There are tried and true ways to free yourself from the cycle of emotional eating. Hi, welcome to Your Great Journey. Each week, we offer you brief tips, techniques, and insights To help you move in positive directions and master big change. For more information, please visit yourgreatjourney.com. Your Great Journey is brought to you by audiobook publisher Wetware Media. Wetware Media publishes a wide variety of personal transformation audiobooks. Available from any major online audiobook retailer. For more information, please visit wetwaremedia.com. That's W-E-T. W-A-R-E, MEDIA.com. Today we're sharing an excerpt from End Emotional Eating, using Dialectical Behavior Therapy to cope with difficult emotions and develop a healthy relationship to food by Dr. Jennifer L. Tates. Dr. Tates is a clinical psychologist and director of the Dialectical Behavior Therapy Program. At the American Institute for Cognitive Therapy in New York, New York. In her audiobook, Dr. Tates combines tested scientific methods with an emotional understanding of the difficulty of battling with food. This audiobook is a guide to help you face difficult emotions head on without relying on food to numb yourself and is a great place to begin if you're ready to create a healthy relationship to food that will last for the rest of your life. In this excerpt, Dr. Tates discusses a famous study on emotional eating and overeating. She discusses the link between feeling poorly and making impulsive decisions that, ironically, only serve to make you feel worse in the long run. If you've wondered about the science behind emotional eating, then you'll appreciate this thorough and fascinating investigation into why we eat when we feel poorly and how we can break free of that pattern.
1: You are sitting in a brightly decorated ice cream parlor. Your friend owns the dessert bar. It's his store's first anniversary party, and you are feeling remarkably anxious as you greet a crowd of sweet-toothed strangers. Waiters offer you a milkshake to drink, and you're encouraged to line up for ice cream. Vanilla lavender, green tea, Belgian chocolate, The options seem endless. You may either drink the milkshake or refuse it, but it looks like you'll need to participate in the ice cream tasting. If you drink the milkshake, will you eat more or less ice cream? Will you choose a lighter option or go for multiple scoops? Put yourself in the situation. What would you do? In a 1975 study, researchers C. Peter Herman and Debbie Mack told women they were analyzing taste, and offered them the choice of consuming zero, one, or two milkshakes. Later, the women were allowed to eat as much ice cream as they wanted. Unbeknownst to the participants, this study actually looked at eating habits rather than taste. For the most part, women who had the milkshakes ate less ice cream during the taste test, This makes sense, given that they may have felt satiated by having had some ice cream in the milkshake. However, the women who were on diets ate more ice cream after they consumed a milkshake. Researchers call this the disinhibition effect. People who try to limit what they eat may feel quite guilty, paradoxically, prompting them to actually eat more. In other words, you engage in a behavior, feel bad, and end up engaging in more behaviors that may make you feel worse. Also, if you eat for emotional reasons, you may continue to eat to avoid experiencing emotions. Eating even serves as a way to cope with negative emotions that arise from eating. Now add intense emotions to the scenario. When you feel intensely, break a diet rule, and experience more intense emotions around eating, This may culminate in more emotions and more eating. In this chapter, you will learn ways to cope with intense emotions without reacting impulsively or reaching for more ice cream after you drink a milkshake. Impulse. Do bad moods make for bad decisions? On a rational level, adding up impulsive behaviors or making mood-driven decisions makes little sense. However, Emotionally, you may notice the tendency or drive to engage in impulsive behaviors when you experience negative emotions. Numerous patients over the years have told me they self-sabotage and believe that this tendency to engage in self-defeating behaviors derives from an unconscious desire to fail. Is this really the case? When we consider what happens when we respond to difficult emotions with risky behavior, This impulsivity makes sense, even in the absence of complicated analytical theories. Often, when we are upset, we may deliberately choose to pursue a risky behavior because we have placed a premium on ridding ourselves of a difficult emotion. For example, in the face of loneliness, people may resort to calling a complicated ex in hopes of zapping the loneliness of the moment. In negative mood states, the focus is often myopic, with your attention on the goal, get me out of here. You might fail to consider how you may feel the day after you spend time with the ex, or how you may feel if your advance is unreciprocated. When you face a difficult emotion, such as loneliness, you may find yourself so determined to rid yourself of that feeling that you don't really think through the costs of such briefly distracting behavior. We don't wish to self-sabotage, we wish to self-soothe and feel better. Yet the ways we do so, non-acceptance of emotions and impulsive behavior, actually make us feel worse over time. When people are in a bad mood, they are more likely to engage in risky behavior. In a study, when participants felt embarrassed, they were more likely to participate in a high-risk, high-payoff lottery than a low-risk, low-payoff option. In choosing a high-risk choice, you face a reduced chance that you may actually win money and escape a negative mood. You also face the increased chance that you won't win anything and will end up feeling worse than when you began. Negative emotions are not the problem. They are emblematic of being alive. It's what you do when they arrive that can create unnecessary pain. Non-acceptance is the culprit again. As explored in Chapter 2, non-acceptance increases emotional suffering. Now we're expanding our understanding, and clarifying emotions may not be as problematic as non-acceptance of the emotion and the behaviors symptomatic of non-acceptance. These behaviors, calling the X or grabbing the spoon, are what actually make things worse. Poor Mood, Poor Thinking Often, negative mood states affect thinking. It is helpful to keep this in mind given what we know about the tendency for moods to affect impulsive behaviors. Psychologists who measure intelligence take into account the fact that when someone is notably depressed or anxious, IQ scores fall. This again reflects the concept that emotion mind is distinct from reasonable mind. In one study... Researchers convincingly and falsely told participants that they would end up alone later in life, then had them take intelligence tests to look at the effect the thought of being alone, a disturbing notion for most people, has on intelligence. Participants scored significantly below their capacity on measures of intelligence after hearing the depressing prediction made. The authors theorize that the subject's spending mental energy suppressing feelings or ruminating on being alone made less mental energy available for other tasks. When we're struggling with notably difficult feelings, such as those engendered by the thought, I will end up alone, it can be important to remember to consciously slow down. Otherwise, your energy may be depleted managing your emotions, and your thinking may not be helpful in problem-solving. A client of mine described a police officer pulling her over for erratic driving, assuming that she was drunk. Her friend had just tragically and unexpectedly died. There was no alcohol in her system, but sorrow similarly steered her thinking away from the road. The combination of painful emotions, difficulty sitting with emotions, and urgency to escape feelings while thinking unintelligently may thus lead to impulsive actions and yet more painful feelings. Grace Pain with poise In any emotional situation we face, there is an opportunity to cope with emotions with grace. I love the word grace. It implies willingness and wisdom, quite different than impulse. We all face the choice of accepting reality or emotions with grace, we trying to escape our feelings, perhaps through indulging our impulses. One of the main premises of this book, and the essence of much of the research that supports the ideas we've reviewed, is that people who struggle with difficult feelings tend to use food to cope. In this chapter, you'll learn to slow down around difficult emotions with graceful action. When you accept pain, you suffer less. When you avoid pain, you exacerbate it and experience secondary emotions and may engage in problematic behaviors that create more pain.
0: Thanks for listening to this excerpt from the audiobook, End Emotional Eating, using dialectical behavior therapy to cope with difficult emotions and develop a healthy relationship to food. You can purchase the complete audiobook from any major online audiobook retailer. If you'd like more information, please visit YourGreatJourney.com. Please be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. And if you like the show, please rate and review it. And please share it with friends who might also enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Your Great Journey is brought to you by audiobook publisher Wetware Media. Wetware Media publishes a wide variety of personal transformation audiobooks, available from any major online audiobook retailer. For more information, please visit wetwaremedia.com. That's W-E-T-W-A-R-E-M-E-D-I-A dot com.